The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. If you got your Bible, Matthew chapter 13, we're starting a brand new series today called Red Letters. And what we're going to do in this series is we're really going to focus in on Jesus. Now, if you've been coming to New Song Church, you know that that's kind of what we do all the time here, obviously. But specifically, we're going to really look at the words of Jesus, those, those words in your Bible that are in red that he spoke and learn some lessons from them. Because I don't know about you, but I, I think we could all agree that what the world needs right now is a little bit more Jesus. But, but understand, in order for the world to get more Jesus, it's not that we need Jesus to just show up more. We need jo- Jesus to show through more, yeah. to show through the church and to show through his people. And so the point of this series is to learn how to grow to be more Christ-like, to learn lessons from the life of Jesus, from those red letters, so that we can be who God's called us to be. And so the love of Jesus and the message of Jesus can show through our life to reach other people. So Matthew chapter 13, I want to I talk to you today about the parable of the wheat and the weeds. Or maybe in your Bible it says the wheat and the tares, the wheat and the weeds. And it's interesting, this is a parable that God placed on my heart. Uh, A couple of times, you know, this year, I've read through the Bible two times this year. And both times when I came to this parable, it just really resonated that God wanted me to preach this. And so as I got ready this, this week to preach... Um, God reminded me of this parable and it was amazing. I I didn't know, but when I started to dig into it, uh, it was amazing how applicable this, this message is to the times in which we are living right now. But before I jump into that, uh, let's talk about parables for a little bit. In in Matthew 13, there's kind of a, a, a transition that takes place in the ministry of Jesus. Up to this point, he would share and use parables from time to time. But in Matthew 13, there's this transition where he goes to sharing in parables and using parables. Most of the preaching that he does is is in parable form. In fact, in verse 34, look at this. He says, it, it says this about Jesus. All these things that Jesus spoke to the multitudes in parables and without a parable, he did not speak to them. In fact, there's eight parables in Matthew 13 alone. So he really starts moving into this this form of ministry where he's using these parables. And so his disciples notice this. They're like, hey, Jesus, what's up with all the parables? Like there's this change taking place. Why, why are you doing this? And Jesus answers them. And in answering them, I wanna I want show you this. He, he talks about why he uses parables, but he also speaks into the idea of how people receive the word of God. Look at this with me. Matthew chapter 13, verse 10. The disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Verse 12, for whoever has, well, my voice cracked there. (laughs) Has. My body's changing. I'm growing, I guess. 40. (laughs) Whoever has to him more will be given and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. I'll explain that in a minute. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they, have, nor do they understand. Anybody ever feel that way in the world today? Like, why don't these people see? Why don't they understand? Like, what is going on? 
Verse 14, and in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. And he quotes, hearing uh, you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive, for their hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. I think we can relate to, to feeling like, if you're a Christian, I don't know about you, but I find myself from time to time looking around at people and looking at the world and saying, how do they not, how do they not see that this is, this is wrong or this is off? You ever feel that way? Or maybe you find yourself going, has everybody lost their mind? <laughs> well, this verse kind of tells us that in a way, they are. People are kind of losing their mind. See, in, in Jesus' day, and it's like this today, there were, there were two groups of people. There was a group of people who wanted to accept the truth, and there was a group of people who did not want to accept the truth. And the truth, when I talk about the truth, I'm not talking about a truth, I'm talking about the truth, which Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when I was talking about they didn't want to accept the truth, they didn't want to accept Jesus. And so because they didn't want to accept Jesus, they, they were aligning themselves with the other kingdom, which is the kingdom of the enemy. Because if you don't accept Jesus, listen, you're rejecting Jesus and you're accepting the other kingdom rule that, that is trying to dominate in this world. And so Jesus had a group of people that were like this. They didn't want to accept the truth. And really, th this group of people that were around him, what they really wanted to do was they just wanted to further their current position. And, and they would claim to be Christians, or not Christians, but they claimed to be followers of God. And yet, if they really were, why weren't they seeing that Jesus was the Messiah? Because let me just tell you, it was clear, even at this point, this is the guy. This is the Messiah. The prophecies are in front of them, but, but they, they, they're right there, but they can't see him. Hearing, they can't hear. Their eyes are dull. They're not getting it. And this is a group of people that exist in the world today. Some people, they don't want the truth of Jesus. And because they don't want the truth, the truth is, is, is hidden from them. And when Jesus shares things in parables, the truth that he's sharing, they can't see it. They can't see it. But then there's another group of people. And these people want the truth. Some of them have fully accepted the truth. Some of them have already at this point, they're following Jesus around and they're in. They're all in. Then there's also a group of them and they're not completely in, but they're interested. And the parables are for them to give them revelation of the truth. In fact, the, the word parable means to throw or to cast alongside. A, a parable is an earthly analogy that's designed by God to explain heavenly realities. That's what God would do. That's why a lot of these parables say the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like when you're talking to somebody and you're like, it's kind of like this. You know what I mean? That's what Jesus was doing with these parables. It's kind of like this. And so for the people that wanted to receive the truth, listen, the parables revealed the truth of them, but to people who didn't want the truth, it hid the truth from them. Isn't that interesting? So by using parables, Jesus was able to reveal truth and, and to hide truth from people. And so the people who wanted the truth could not only receive the truth of Jesus, but they could receive all the truth that existed in this world. But to people who didn't, not only could they not receive the truth of Jesus, but basic fundamental truth began to depart from them. Let me show you this. Look at this. Matthew 13, verse 12. Look at this. For whoever has, whoever has what? Whoever has the truth, whoever has the message of Jesus, to him more will be given. And they'll have, a, they'll have an abundance. So if you receive the message of truth, you'll have the message of truth and you'll receive even more truth. That's, good. That's the message. And the, par the parables made that possible. 
But look at this, look at this. But whoever does not have, whoever does not have what? Whoever does not have the truth, look at this. Even what he has will be taken from him. And boy, does this explain some of what we're seeing in the world, doesn't it? You look around the world sometimes and you're like, we're losing our mind. And it's like basic fundamental truth is going out the door to where we find ourselves. And, and, and this is where stuff like sexual confusion comes up. You're born a boy. You're a boy. But people are questioning basic fundamental truth. People questioning things like equality. That is, if you're a Christian, you're like, yeah, we're all, we're, we're all made the same. God made us all equal. But some people don't see that. Why? Because fundamental truth is being ripped away from them because they don't receive the truth of Jesus. You guys seeing this this morning? Right to life. That all life is valuable to God. The life of a fetus is valuable to God. Some people struggle with that. Why? Because they've rejected the truth. When you know the truth, it sets you free. And we're seeing a lot of bondage in the world today because a lot of truth has been rejected, the truth of Jesus. And, and, and some of what we see today, some of what we're dealing with today is that truth has been rejected and we've been going this way for a long time. Yep. And the longer we go in the wrong direction, the further away we get. For example, if I was this morning to go get on a plane and I'm going to Chicago, that's my goal. I wanna to get to Chicago, Chicago's by destination. Chicago's the promised land for me, okay? Let's say that's it. So I'm getting on a plane, I'm going there, but let's say I get on that plane and the instruments of that plane are 10 degrees off, just 10 degrees, not 90 degrees. I'm not making a hard right away from where Chicago is, not 180 degrees. I'm not going in the opposite direction. You know, it's, it's kind of easy sometimes to see in the word when we're way off, but sometimes when you're a little off, but, but a little off over a long time gets way off. See, if I'm in a plane and I'm going to Chicago and those instruments are 10 degrees off, I will arrive in Minneapolis, Minnesota, 400 miles from my original destination. Why? Because over that time and over that distance, a little off takes you way off. And some of what we're seeing today is maybe we've been a little off, but over a long time, it gets further and further away. And the further we drift, the more we accept way off. And we start going, yeah, you can, you can abort a baby at nine months in the womb. And we're going, what? Are you kidding me? Fundamental truth. And so what's the answer? The answer is the truth. And what's the truth? The truth is Jesus. The answer is we need a revival. The answer is we need Jesus. And listen, the answer is we need the truth to shine through us. We need to be a people of God who are submitted to the word of God, who are submitted to the will of God, who are walking and doing everything we can and looking at our life and examining our life through the filter of scripture and through the filter of the life of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit to say, okay, God, we want what you want for this world. We want to see your will be done, your kingdom come, not our dug in position. Can I get an amen? So that's where Jesus starts. I haven't even gotten in the parable yet. How do you like that? So let's get into the parable. Are you down? Okay, Matthew 13, verse 24. Jesus says this. Another parable he, he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like, there it is. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like this. It's like a man who sowed a good seed in a field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares. Tares just means weeds. 
among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares, the weeds also appeared. So the servants of the owner came, to the, came and said to him, sir, did you not sow good seeds in your field? How then does it have tares? How, how are these weeds here is what they're saying. Do you want us then to go and, and gather them up? In other words, they're saying, hey, there's, there's weeds. You want us to just rip all that out? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat uh, with them. No, let both grow until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them, but rather the wheat into my barn. Now, then he explains it. Jump down to verse 36. The disciples come to him and they said, explain this to us. Explain the parable of the tares. He answered and said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. Jesus is talking about the devil. And he's not like analogizing here. Like there's a real devil. Okay? There really is a real devil, a real enemy. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. Good news for you, there's also angels ministering spirits for me and you. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The son of man will send out his angels and they will gather out his kingdom, the things that offend and those that practice lawlessness and will cast them into a furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the son of the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear let him hear. Church, would you say this? Say, let me hear, Lord. Me hear. We want to hear today, right? We want a revelation of God's word today. So I want, to, I want to show you three things that God revealed to me in this today. And there's a lot in this, and I can't get into all of it because it would be like a, like a four-month series, okay? But I'm just going to dig into the three things God placed on my heart for you today. And the first thing is this. First thing you need to recognize from this parable is that God owns the field, God owns the field. Look at verse 37 again. He who sows the seed, the good seed, is the son of man. That's talking about Jesus. The field is the world. Verse 38, the world, that's, that's where you live right now. You currently reside on the world, planet earth. Good. Verse 24. Now look back at verse 24 because he, he says something here. The kingdom of heaven is like a man, which the man is the son of man, who sowed a good seed in his field. Whose field? His field. Okay, so what he's saying is this field, which is the earth, belongs to God. And that's all over the Bible. In fact, Psalm 24 verse 1 says the earth is the Lord and all that's in it, uh, the world and all those who dwell then, within. God owns the world. And that's important for, for you to recognize because ownership determines control. When you own something, you get to control it. Uh, for example, Sarah and I, we're homeowners. And so as homeowners, we have rights to, to allow or to disallow certain things within our home. Right now, I am trying to disallow wasps from my home. <laughs> it is summertime and the wasps, I, this is, we moved into this house in September and, uh, at some point, at that, that house sat empty that we're in for a year. At some point, the wasps moved in, and now they have given birth, and there are tons of wasps at our house. Uh, last year, we were on a little trip, and my daughter, Sunny, who, who's six, she was five at the time, she, and she's the sweetest, I'm telling you, look at, look at Sarah's Instagram of Sunny. She's like the sweetest thing ever. 
A hornet stung her on the face last year. I mean, it was the saddest thing ever. And so now these wasps are flying around like crazy and she is like not into this at all. So daddy is trying to deal with the wasps. And as the father of this home, as the owner of my home, I get to control what goes on in my home. And so these, these wasps are trying to establish a kingdom and I don't want that kingdom. So, so here's what I can do. As the owner, I can invite people in to help me to carry out my will for my home. I can call up pest control people and they can come in and I can say, okay, and, and they're going to come and they're going to knock on the door and I'm going to say, come on in. And I'm going to say, this is what I want done. And this is, you know, and I'll pay you to do it. And so I'm empowering them and giving them the authority to carry out my will for my home. Okay. The earth is the Lord's, right? But he has chosen to, to empower us with authority, which is dele- delegated power, to carry out his kingdom rule in this earth. So he's empowered us to, to, to bring his kingdom. And listen, the kingdom message of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we bring is not a foreign message to this world. It's the rightful message of this world. It's the owner's message. It's what the owner wants. It's what belongs here. It's how God intended this world to be. We're not trying to create some kind of, of, of world that, that, that can't belong here. We're trying to bring the order that the creator established and wants carried out in this world. And so he's empowered us and delegated all of the authority of heaven to carry that out. So when you go to carry out the gospel message, you're empowered by God. You've been given the authority of Jesus Christ. He's given you the word. He's given you these, the ability to carry out his kingdom rule in this earth. So ownership determines control. And God, as the owner, has surrendered and, and handed over control to carry out his will through his word in this world to us. Pretty awesome, right? Okay, so, so God owns the world. Here's number two. People are seeds. People are seeds. Okay, so at the beginning, the owner has this field and he wants to bring a change to this field. So what does he do? He sows seeds. And the enemy sees this field and he wants to bring change to this field. So what does he do? He sows seeds. And what are seeds? Seeds are people. Look back here with me. Verse 38, the field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. That's Christians. It's people who've accepted the truth of Jesus Christ, made him the Lord of their life. But the tares, the weeds, are the sons of the wicked one. They're the ones who have not received the message of Jesus. They've rejected it. And so they become the sons of the wicked one and they become the weeds. So, so get this, the way that the king and the enemy change the field is, is through the seeds of people. So you're taking notes, jot this down this morning. When God sees a problem, he sows a person. When God sees a problem, he sows a person. But listen, when the enemy sees a problem, Satan, he sows a person. When God sees a problem, he sows a person. And we see this all throughout scripture. Every work of God done in the Bible from the very beginning all the way through Revelation is always done in partnership with people. God needs people. God uses people. He's looking for people that will come under his influence, that will accept his kingdom and come under his rule and his reign and accept his word and become a person that brings change to, that, to the problem. When God sees a problem, he's just looking for a person that's surrendered. 
a person who's fully accepted the message of the gospel. And he says, okay, I'm going to take you and I'm going to put you right here in the middle of this problem. Maybe you're right here in the middle of this problem because God saw the problem and he sowed you into it. What if we begin to believe that? But the enemy does the same thing. He sees a problem and he sows a person, not to solve the problem, but to increase the problem and to choke out the kingdom message. That's what he goes to do. That's what weeds do. They choke out life. And that's what he's trying to do. So get this, get this. Here's the point. Here's the point. The problem really is not people. The problem is the influence that people come under. And Ephesians 6 speaks to this, right? Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle. But... So what does but mean? Now he's going to tell you what you do wrestle against, what you are fighting against, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Our, our battle is not against flesh, a, a flesh and blood enemy. It's against an enemy who influences flesh and blood. And it's so important that you recognize that because if we try to fight the battles that we're seeing in the world today, by flesh and blood, we're going to fail. Yeah. And we're going to do more damage, not only to the kingdom that's messed up, but we're going to do damage to the kingdom of God. We're going to hurt not only the world, but we're going to hurt the church. In fact, look at this. Uh, Matthew 13, 28. Servant said to him, don't you, don't you want us to then go gather them up? In other words, he's saying, do you, do you want us to rip out the weeds? They're saying, we need to go fight this battle. Flesh on flesh. Is that what you want us to do? He says, no. Lest, while you gather up the, the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. In other words, if you try to uproot what's happening by fighting it on a flesh on flesh level, you're going to do more damage than good. We've got to deal with it on a spiritual level. We've got to deal with it where, where the agenda is really taking place. And, and understand the agendas of God and, and Satan are polar opposites. John 10, 10 explains this to us. Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's the agenda of the enemy. Everything that steals and kills and destroys is of the kingdom of the enemy. So all the stuff we're seeing, all the confusion, all the disorder, all the fear, all the anger, all the hate, all this garbage, this selfishness, all that's evil, all of that is of the kingdom of darkness. And what the enemy wants to do is he wants to influence people. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy them, but he also wants to influence them with his kingdom in such a way that they begin to steal, kill, and destroy through their life. It's an influence issue. And what God wants to do is find people who will surrender to him that he can use. We, gotta, we, we can't just uproot it, fight it, battle, person versus person. It's not a flesh battle. Look at verse 30, uh, Matthew 13, 30. He said, let both grow together until the harvest. At the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. And if, if you go on to read, I, I read it earlier, but if you read verses 38 through, through 42, 43, you, you see that there's a judgment for sin coming. All of this injustice, all this garbage that we see going on, it will be judged. Things that have been, that are, that are, these wrongs that are going on, unless people choose to allow the judgment for their sin to be placed on Jesus and accept the truth, they will be judged for their sin. And I'm telling you, it'll be far worse than anything you could ever come up with. Our, our job is not to try to find vengeance. 
Our job is, is to seek truth and to chase after God and not to fight people, but to fight this battle at the spiritual level. That's why prayer is so important. You know, I, I, over the last few months with coronavirus and now what we're dealing with, with all these issues we're facing, I don't know about you, but I find myself in a place where I'm going, Lord, I need wisdom because I, I don't know it all. I don't know it all. And I hope you know you don't either. I'm so grateful for the word. I'm so grateful that I do have the truth. Amen. That I have, a, I have a, a, a true north I can come back to. That points me in the right direction. That I can submit these problems to. That I can look. And, and, and here's, where, here's where I am. I'm, I'm, I'm asking myself, okay God, am I off at all? I don't want to be off. I don't want to be one degree off. What if, what if I'm one degree off? I don't want to be one degree off. Lord, help me. Help me to see what I need to see. And I'm, I'm, I want to have conversations. I'm having conversations with people. I'm talking to people. I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to learn everything I can. But I'm also grateful that I have the Holy Spirit <laughs> because he guides me and leads me in all truth. And, and man, I'm so grateful for, for my prayer language. If, if you don't have your prayer language, we'd love to help you with that. I'm so grateful because there's times that I'm going to the Lord and I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray. But in those moments, I can pray in, in my spiritual language. And I can pray perfect prayers in perfect agreement and alignment with the word and the will of God. You say, well, that, that sounds kind of scary and dangerous. It is scary and dangerous for the kingdom of darkness. And that's why the enemy wants you to think it's scary and dangerous. Because he doesn't want you doing it. But, but, but we've got to be open and we've got to fight this battle where it needs to be fought. And it needs to be fought in prayer. It needs to be fought in the word. It, we need to dig into the word like never before. We need to, that's why we're digging in. It's, I, I love God. I love how he leads us as a church. This series, this is, this is what, when we planned in this year, this is a series. We're focusing on Jesus. How perfect is that? I love that Jesus puts this message about the, 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 the wheat and the weeds on my heart months ago. I didn't, I didn't know it was going to be this until I got into it. That's what spirit-led does. That's why you want to go to a spirit-led church. It's important. But listen, don't throw away everybody else. I'll get to that in a minute. All right. God owns the field. People are the seeds. And we need to be alert. We need to be aware. First Peter 5, 8, stay alert. Watch out. Your great enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for people he can devour. He's looking for people to devour. We got to be alert. We got to be aware of the tactics of the enemy. And we got to fight these tactics on the battleground. If we're going to influence the, the influence of darkness, we have to influence, on, influence it at the level whereby which it's influencing the world. That was a mouthful, but that was good. Amen. Okay, so here's number three. God does not plant weeds. It's the third thing God showed me. And look at this, look at this with me, okay? God does not plant weeds. Matthew 13, 27. It says, so the servants of the owner came and said to him, sir, did you not sow good seeds in your field? Now notice it's the servants of the owner. The owner is God. So, so who would his servants, the servants of the owner be? This, would be? this is a picture of like Christians, right? Servants of the owner. They come and they say, did you not, did you not sow good seed? Like, what's up with all the weeds? Why are we dealing with weeds? What's up with the seed you're putting out here, Lord? How then does it have tares? Well, see, when the problems arise, when the, when the issues arise, when the weeds pop up, it seems to be the tendency, even of Christians, to start going, hey, God, 
uh, what the heck? Like, what, what is this? Aren't you good? Or, or maybe you're not good. But, but look at the answer of the owner. Look at verse 28. He said to them, an enemy has done this. He takes no credit for it. An enemy has done this. An enemy. Who's the enemy? The enemy is Satan. You, you need to get this rooted inside of your heart. Evil and bad things are the outgrowth of the wicked one and his influence. God is good. Jesus came to do the will of the Father and he went about doing good and healing all. Jesus never made anyone sick. He never killed anybody. He always met problems and issues and brought life and healing and resurrection. That's Jesus. And he's a picture of the will of God in this world. That's God. But if you don't believe that, here's the problem. If you don't come to believe that, listen, the enemy, he wants to come to you. He, he wants to work in weeds. He wants to choke out truth. So he wants to come to you and he wants to get you to believe in all this. God ain't really that good. Because he knows if you don't believe in a good God, you won't turn to God in the middle of trouble. What will you do? You'll turn away from God and you'll miss out on the very healing and help that God wants to provide. So you've got to come to believe that God is a good God. God owns the field. We're not, in enemy, we're not on enemy territory. We're fighting the good fight. And it's the kingdom message that God wants here. People are seeds. And what you're dealing with is not just a people on people battle. We gotta fight this battle on a spiritual level and, and God does not plant weeds. Okay, so what do we do with all this? <laughs> how, how, do we, how do we deal with this? So I, as I was thinking about this this week, you know, the, really the goal here is, is wheat. Like if we're seeds and, and, and the seeds are the, the children of the kingdom of God and, and we're supposed to grow up like wheat, then that's the goal, right? We're to act like wheat. I guess God is not gluten-free, right? <laughs> We're to act like wheat. So I, I was thinking about this. I, on Tuesday, I'd spent most of Monday and Tuesday working on this message. And on Tuesday, I felt pretty good about it, but I felt like I didn't quite have it all figured out. And I was driving home. And uh, as I was driving home, God began to kind of show me some things and, and, and give me some observations about wheat. And what's interesting is right near our house, there was this field of, of summer wheat that was planted that was ready to be harvested. In fact, they harvested it on Friday this week. But I was just thinking about wheat. And I've got four observations of wheat that will help you. I think if we learn these things, it will help us to be who God's called us to be in the times in which we're living. The first thing is this, wheat is planted. In order for wheat to produce, it has to be planted. This is a picture. If you've been coming to New Song Church, you're gonna hear me talk about that. You need to be planted. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, the Bible tells us, will flourish. Flourish means they'll produce fruit. God wants you to produce a harvest. In order for wheat to produce a harvest, it's got to get planted and it's got to stay planted. This is a picture of you need a church in your life. And, and you can see it. Like you can see that people, I've seen these statements of people saying, I feel like I've been kind of hurt by the big C church. These statements that come out and, and listen, I get that. There's, there's hurt that takes place. There's wrongs. Not everybody's perfect. I'm not perfect. We're trying. We really are. I promise you I'm trying. But we're not perfect. And I get that hurts take place. But the, but the danger is then people uproot themselves from the church. You need a church. You need a community of believers around you. You, you need ministry gifts. Those are important. You need a pastor. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a pastor. I'm saying it because you need it. You know what happens when you come like you came today? None of you when you came in today 
got to choose the message you're listening to right now. There's no voting. And just so you know, I don't get to vote on it. I, I show up on Sunday night and Monday morning going, God, what do you want to say? And he tells me, and I just deliver what he says. That's all I'm, that's, that's what I'm trying to do. So, but, but like we live in a podcast world and I love podcasts. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, you know, bad mouthing podcasts. There's people listening to this podcast right now. These podcasts are good. But the, the problem with podcasts is you get to pick your podcast. And so we can just choose. Oh, I want to hear that. I want to hear that. I don't really want to hear that. And so you didn't get to choose this today, but, but for some of you, there's things that God's doing in your heart and in your mind and in your life right now that, that are exactly what you need. And it may, it may sting a little bit. It may feel like a little bit of a spanking sometimes, but it's good for you. It's growth. So you got to be planted. Wheat grows when it's planted. You need to be planted. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, in the church, will flourish. Turn the person beside you and say, I want to flourish. Number two, wheat is individual. Wheat is individual. When you look at a field of wheat, it's not a field of one wheat. It's not like one big wheat. No, it's a bunch of wheats. It's a bunch of individual stalks of wheat. And guess what? They're all different. They're all individually made. They're all unique. You know, God created us unique. God created ethnic groups. And God created us to have different personalities and different likes and different senses of humor. And he created some people to be right a lot, like me. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, kidding. I'm totally kidding. I think that sometimes, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm learning, I'm learning. But he created us all different, right? Like, I think certain things are funny. And I'll talk to people and they're like, oh, I don't think that movie's funny. Like, I, I like a movie called Raising Arizona. Okay, all right. See, those that get it, get it. Sarah hates this movie. And I can't, I, I'm just amazed at how wrong she can be. But whatever. But God made her unique and me unique. And together we come together and it's, it's something good. And God made us unique. And that's good. The third thing, wheat is moved by the wind. This is something I saw this week as I'm driving by that wheat field. I can see the wind blowing on it. And if you've ever seen this, it's really, it's kind of beautiful. You'll see the impression that the wind will make on the wheat. And it just kind of creates this flow as the wheat kind of comes under the impression of that wheat. It moves and, and it's beautiful. In fact, if you look this up on YouTube, uh, there's actually people that like watch this to relax. Like fields of wheat being moved by the wind. And they, they'll listen to it to go to sleep. It's something that we look at and we go, man, that's, that's interesting. And, and in the word, the, the wind is likened to the breath of God, which is the wind of God. And the, the Bible says that all scripture is God breathed. God breathed into the word. When you take in the word, you're taking in the breath of God in your life. And, 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 and guess what? It produces life. Remember when God created Adam? He creates him in the garden. And what does he do to bring life to him? He breathes into him the breath of God and he comes alive. And guess what? Every one of us in here are breathing because we all come from that, that DNA strand, which is the DNA of God. We're all breathing that breath right now. As you breathe in and out right now, the breath of God that was first breathed into Adam is coming out of your lungs. Wow, right? God breathed in life. And so, so here's the idea. As the church, when we come under the influence of the word of God, when we allow the word to move us, then what is produced is life. It's life to those who find it. 
and health to their flesh. We, we find life and we can allow life to be outsourced through us. Isn't that good? And here's the fourth thing is wheat moves in unity. Wheat moves in unity. When you, when you see the wind hit a wheat field and it, it makes its impression on that wind, you don't see like some of the wheat going in a direction and then a few pieces like shoot this way. Like it doesn't do that. The wind, when the wind moves, the, the wheat bends to the will of the wind, right? And it moves in unity all together. And, and this is so important to the world we live in today. There, there's such division in our world right now. And, and, and so unity, listen, unity becomes this beautiful thing. When people can walk in unity, it's something beautiful that the world looks at and goes, man, there's something so peaceful about that. Unity is like a unicorn. Like people don't know what to do with this. It sticks out. And the enemy, listen, one of the tactics of the enemy is to divide and conquer. He wants to divide us. He wants to, to get us focusing on our differences so that he can divide us into little sanctions, little groups, so that we become weak. In, in the military, they want to divide up a, an army when you're fighting an army. You want to divide them and get them to move into sanctions because the, the more divided they are, the more easier they are to pick off. This is how the enemy works. And so we need to fight for unity because even in the church world, you're seeing division. You're seeing criticism. People are just picking and, and, and it, it hurts my heart. You know, I'll, I'll see criticism about pastors that I know, like I know these men, some of these men. And I know their heart. And people will take a clip and they'll just run with it and get, be so critical. And so, and I just want you to know that's not the heart of God. And if that's you, listen, you know who you're aligning yourself with? Let me tell you the character in scripture you look like. His name was Judas. And he was the one that was right there as a follower of Jesus, but was critical. Remember the, the, there's a story where this lady comes in to anoint Jesus with oil this oil that's very valuable, but it's an act of worship. She's giving basically her dowry to the Lord in this act of worship in this moment. And it's a beautiful moment, but Judas is over in the corner and he's pulling people aside and he's going, look at that. I can't believe my pastor Jesus is, is saying that, is doing that. That's crazy. Like they could take that oil, they could sell that. Other people could be ministered to. And Jesus is like, bro, you don't know what you're talking about right now. Criticism, criticism, criticism. If you don't know, don't yap your flap, right? Like for real. Let's not be critical. Let's not try to divide the kingdom of God and the church and be fighting against other denominations. Like this is not helping. We got to fight for unity. Look at Ephesians 4 verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, beseech you to walk Worthy of the calling which with, which, with which you were called. Worthy of the calling with which you were called. This is worthy of the calling that Jesus Christ died to make available to you. Please hear these words. With all lowliness. In other words, recognizing that maybe I have not arrived yet. Maybe I don't have it all figured out. There's a possibility I could be one degree off. And if so, let's figure it out and get it right. Amen? Amen? With lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering. In other words, not quick-tempered, not quick to spout our mouth and run off our, run our gums. Bearing with one another. Guess what that means? Carrying the burden. 
whether you feel it right now or not. You choose to say, okay, you're feeling it. I'm going to grab a hold of it with you and I'm going to carry it with you. Endeavoring to keep unity. Endeavoring means that, that we are going out of our way to make unity work. Endeavoring. This is our goal. This is what we're shooting for. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Listen, we are in a war. And in times, war is going on as we approach the return of Jesus Christ. Right. And there is an enemy who wants to influence people. He wants to influence uh, sinful people, people who have not come to Jesus. And he wants to influence people who have come to the truth of Jesus. He wants to divide us. He wants to get us infighting. He wants to get us uh, biting at each other and divide up the kingdom of God and weaken the church of Jesus Christ. It's the Antichrist spirit alive in this world. The Antichrist, you've probably heard of the Antichrist before. He's a person who will rise up in the end times and, and, and be possessed by the devil and be against those things that Jesus was for. But there's the spirit of the Antichrist that already exists in this world and it fights against what Jesus was for. It fights against the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus was a message that says that I love you and every life is valuable and worth dying for. That's the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus says that your life matters. No matter what color your skin is, your life matters. That, that, that white lives matter, black lives matter, Hispanic lives matter, Asian lives matter. The life of a fetus matters. The life of a six-month baby in the womb matters. The life of females matters. The life of males matters. It all matters. And Jesus died for all of them. And as a church of Jesus Christ, we have to fight for what Jesus fought for. We have to fight for unity. We have to fight for love. We have to rise up and be the people he's called us to be. Can I get an amen? amen? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord, we say we will reject any form of lie that the enemy would try to put forth to choke out the kingdom of God in this world. We reject, we reject lies. We reject Satan. We reject and we say, Lord, that we're open to change where we need to change. We're open to recognizing we don't know it all. We don't got it all figured out. And if we're off, if we're even off one degree, Lord, we, we, we want to reject that. We pray that you would help us, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened by the Spirit of God so that we can know the right way to go. Holy Spirit, help us. We say, help us, God. We need your help. And we ask you to, to help us. We want to be the church you've called us to be in this day and age. I want to be the pastor you called me to be. We want to be people that point people to Jesus. We want the message of Jesus to shine through in our life. We know there are people that are blinded by darkness. There are people that don't see the truth. And we want when they turn to truth that they would see us pu pushing forward the kingdom of God and the message of Jesus Christ in this world, Lord. So we say, we say, Lord, like we said in the in this song this morning, we want to be used by you. We want to be the ones that make the difference in this world, God. Thank you for using us. We say, Lord, that we're yours. Have your way in our life. In Jesus' name. Maybe you're here today with your heads bowed and eyes closed and you don't know Jesus. Maybe you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. If that's you today, I would love to pray with you and help you to step into what Jesus made available for you. The Bible says that that, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, then you can be saved. You can be born again. You receive a brand new spirit. Your spirit's made alive in Christ Jesus. And, and you can step into the family of God. And maybe you could say today, man, I've been rejecting that truth of Jesus. And today I want to accept it. I want to step into that truth so I can fully see the truth that God wants for me and for the world through me. 
Maybe you're watching online right now and you say, man, I need, I need God. I know I'm not where I need to be with God right now. I know I need to get things right. If that's you, we'd love to pray for you today. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer this morning, church. And if that's you, I just want you to confess this with your mouth and believe it in your heart. And the Bible says that you're gonna be born again in this moment. So church, if you would, since we're all in agreement with those that are gonna be praying this prayer, let's all say this together. Say, Father God, thank you for Jesus. I confess that I've sinned and I need a savior. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me, for me. And I believe that he rose from the grave so I could be raised to new life through him. Jesus, I invite you to be my Lord. Thank you for saving me. I give you my all. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.